everything was starting to feel feel okay and all the skills that I had been like sprinkling in started to feel okay so I thought okay let me try did it this next week after that you know has been great coming on this like high of like wow I can do things again and I'm so excited but I still have to then pause and remind myself like no like I can't still do everything yet I still need more time and that is now this like second struggle um, that I've been dealing with. Nutrition was funny, so I, when I got to Miami and I started doing CrossFit, this is like 2012, paleo was like the thing. And so I pulled out like a whole grain, it was like flatbread, peanut butter, something, honey sandwich that I was gonna <laughs> eat in the whole gym. All the coaches just like head turned and they're like, <laughs> you eat bread? Welcome back to the Building Better People podcast. This is your host, Charlie Lima. I have a very exciting guest today, Coach Selena. Coach Selena has been a member here for a few years and you're gonna hear her journey today and how she got to where she is. Hope you enjoy. Hi, I'm Selena Stasi. I'm 27 years old and I came to College Station in August 2015. I had just transferred from University of Hawaii um, for my PhD. So I'm getting my PhD in health promotion and community health sciences. It's a public health degree. Is that how you really say Hawaii? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Hawaii, is that right? I mean, I don't know, maybe you do better than me. Um, Hawaii, yeah, like the H's are silent yeah. and you like the extra I at the end. Yeah. Hawaii. Okay, so, like, you know, I know you've lived in Hawaii. You've also lived in California. So you've lived in quite a few places. So why don't you kind of give me a, uh, in, in a short version, like where you went to undergrad, how you ended up in College Station, so that, because I think a lot of people listening don't know. Um, yes, so I went to, I got my undergraduate, this is going to be a sore little topic right now. Um, <laughs> I got my undergrad degree at UCLA. And University. you're obviously proud of that because you did post on Facebook <laughs> or you did. wore your shirt or something. So. I did. <laughs> oh, I was at the Keys house. And <laughs> they, they were mad at first and then the whole game was going terrible and then they, then it was really quiet at the end and I kind of wanted to sneak out. Oh. But <laughs> I got my bachelor's at UCLA um, and then I went to the University of Miami Florida um, to get my master's in public health and then I went straight to University of Hawaii right after that for my doctorate but my advisor he um, got a job here he became the Dean of School Public Health and that was about six months into my program so he offered me he basically said you know you could stay here in Hawaii and you can keep everything that you have I had everything paid for I had a job I had my degree lined up. I already was kind of in place for exams. He said, or you can apply to A&M, see if you get accepted. If you do, when you come, I could try my best to align you with the best people and then you know, try my best to look out for you when you're in Texas. Um, and I had initially thought, wow, congratulations, that's great, but I'm gonna, there's no way I'm going to Texas. And then I looked into it a little bit more and started asking some questions and the school of public health is ranked pretty high. So I just started thinking long term and then made the made the transfer. So you've lived pretty much from East Coast to West Coast to the further West Coast, <laughs> yes. uh, everywhere. So Texas, was that even on your radar? Did you know anything about Texas? No, and it's kind of it was kind of embarrassing because when he first 
said Texas A&M, I, I had heard of the school before, but I wasn't too familiar with it. So my first question was, um, so what city is it in? And he said, well, it's in College Station. I go, okay, cool. So, but what city is that? <laughs> <laughs> is that Austin or is that Houston? He's like, um, okay, well, it's kind of in between the two and maybe we should look at a map. But what's most important is the school is really great. Because he knew that I had like lived in big cities, so he was just trying to get me away from thinking about the actual city. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I had no, Texas was definitely not yeah. on the plan. Um, I had picked places that were near beaches. Um, I knew that I liked being in the city. I liked the skyline. I like lights. I like things to do. I love hiking. So I had never thought about Texas, especially, you know, growing up in California, the things you hear. Texas is awesome, and everyone in Texas thinks Texas is awesome. <laughs> and now just, you're one of those people. Yeah, yeah, now, now I'm one of those people. So you're, when are you scheduled to be done with your PhD? Um, hopefully. Um, I'm looking at either May or August. I think August is a more realistic timeline mm-hmm. to finish up. So. And what is your uh, thesis or what whatever you're working on right now? Um, right now, I am doing access to physical activity. Um, and I mostly do physical activity promotion. So what that means is just how do we get people to be more active? And this isn't the people that, you know, this isn't those that are already exercisers or those that love sports. Um, this is the general population. How do we encourage people to incorporate physical activity into their lives when it's difficult, when they live in a city, when it's hot outside, when they hate exercise, um, when they have disabilities, things like that. So creating access opportunities uh, for people when it's not really something that they want to do or prefer to do or have the time to do, um, or really that their environment allows them to do. And I mostly do that with kids. So looking at um, mostly cities, how do we look at a city and how do we figure out the best opportunities to create access, whether that's sport programs, after school programs, within school, how do we engage with families to teach them about being active together. Um, that's all my kind of and how did you get wheelhouse. into that is that something you started in undergrad being passionate about does this go back to childhood teenage years growing up where you where does that come from yeah I think both um, I guess I didn't know that I had tied back so far um, but now where I am now kind of looking back everything's kind of been tied into how I was raised you know um, living in the city that I did uh, with my family, um, access to physical activity was was I guess inner city kids you can play outside, but it's restricted. You know, it's not as safe. You can't really do much things. So I think there was opportunities that were set up for me, um, programs and per- and people that provided some type of opportunities for me to engage with sports or to be a part of sports that then set up a great path for my future. And I really held on to that, believing that. You know, sports make a difference or being an athlete makes a difference or exercise, you know, makes you strong, not just physically, but mentally and makes you pursue a goal. So I think that kind of started really young. And then as I went through school, I just was more drawn towards those types of classes. And then I, you know, found out about public health and I just kind of incorporated that along the way. You just kind of get every time I'll try to do something different, I just got drawn right back to access how do we how do we provide opportunities 
So where, what age did you, would you say that you started really becoming very active in your health and your fitness? Um, probably about five. Wow. Um, that's when I started skating. Um, and inline speed skating, speed skating, um, I started at around five years old and that was something that was more fun in the beginning, wasn't very good at it, but um, over time it got very competitive very quick. Um, so from just attending practices to being invited with the coach to go to nationals or compete every month or do higher level competitions. So I got very into that at a very young age. Um, and yeah, I'd probably say that's when it all started. And you ended up going to nationals. How old were you in that when you did that? Um, or think, multiple times, maybe? Yeah, so my first one maybe was 1998. Yeah, probably when I was eight years old. I went to my first nationals, and then I just went every year after that. Nationals was um, like the end of the year, kind of big finale um, for most speed skaters in the u.s at least and how what was your best placement at nationals um i got a few good placements first <laughs> a few yeah, times i got a few good placements um in part in teams and first first second couple good yeah so you were and then what ended that career because i remember you shared that with us one time at a coach's retreat but what ended that career because you did stop at one point in your life right yeah so i think Nationals is, and this is indoor skating inside of um, like a rink or a facility. Um, but there's also other sport, other phys, uh, speed skating that I did get into outside that was more international, world level, U.S. level, Olympic level. Um, and I think pursuing that higher level where I would go to camps and try out for the world team is pricey. Um, as I got towards, you know, 12... 13 years old the options for that level of, of the sport were to you know go completely like homeschool um move away from your family if you wanted to pursue ice like switch over from roller to ice you kind of had to not everybody had the money but most people had enough money to be able to either send their kid away or to keep them home and homeschool them to really allow them to take the sport to the next level and I think that wasn't an option for me, um, and more wasn't an option for me. And I, and I also saw that school, like, was very good in school. School was a more realistic option. So you focused on school. Yeah. And what was your next athletic endeavor? Did you transition into something different? Maybe like a sports at school. Um, yeah, so I did. I still skated throughout high school. Um, I just never took it to the next, or I tried. I tried to make, I almost made the world team. I didn't make the world team, but um, I still skated, but then I did sports in school like basketball. I played basketball throughout the whole time. Um, I was more aggressive than good. <laughs> <laughs> but um, basketball, I played a little bit of softball. Yeah, just whatever I could really get involved and with. And then did you keep working out in college? Um, yes. Sort of. So when I first got to college, no, I didn't. So with skating, skating was, we have a team and we have a coach, but it's a very much individual sport. Basketball is a team sport, but there's a coach kind of dictating 
your exercise regimen. When I got to college, it was like, in my mind, I was an athlete. That's just how it was. And it was a physical, uh, not physical, but like a cardio sport athlete. Everything that I did, I was about like, how do I consume more food? I need pastas, I need rices, I need like all these things. So when I got to college and there's no more practice or there's no more like regimen for my exercise sport, no one's telling me what to do. I just kind of, I had never exercised, like gym exercised on my own, unless it was part of my training program. So I didn't even think of like training as exercise. It blew my mind to think about like, I thought about people who went to the gym just because, and it was weird. Like people just go to the gym just to like work out. That's weird. You trained with purpose. Yeah. The purpose is for my sport. So when sport was, when there's no competition, when there was no event, I just stopped. I didn't even realize that I had stopped training until I started gaining a little bit of weight. Just like any first year college student, um, eating the same type of food and, you know, only making the same type of food that I grew up eating, like pastas and mostly pastas. Um, and I, when I started to gain weight, I'm like, what's wrong with me? Like, <laughs> oh my God, I'm turning into, I'm not an athlete anymore. Um, and that's when I started working out. And that's when I also started um, looking at other students and just seeing the kind of decline of like, or the clustering of unhealthy behavior. It was like, okay, we're gonna stay up late and go out and eat bad food and then not go to class and then and then all of a sudden we're going to go out into the community. I was doing a lot of community work. We're going to go in the community and say how much we want to encourage young adult, young people to go to college. But then when we're here in college, we're doing all these nasty things. So that's when I was like, what the heck is going on? Um, I decided to start exercising on my own. But then I also thought this isn't just a problem for me. Like this is a huge problem in my community. And I started a whole in- initiative to kind of solve that or fix that or and what it. would you identify as the problem like i guess it was more of a like a leadership problem um where we as like community advocates or health leaders or not even health leaders as we were leaders in the community going out and talking to high school middle school elementary school kids to engage with them and try to get them to be motivated about higher education this is in the greater los angeles area mm-hmm. so areas like long beach inglewood um, some kind of rough areas and we we're trying to be positive like role models but we weren't really positive role models and I thought that was the main problem was mm. we, sh- we really gotta practice what we're preaching um, and so then I thought well how can we do that the only way that I know how to do that is to be in sports or to be active but how do I replicate that when there's no sport um, so I created a health initiative to try to fix how do we train better health role models how do we train better leaders in our community and that's what i so like exercise became your vehicle to channel leaders through yes like kind of like the building better people then it's like being healthy helps you become a better version of you yes regardless of what you're doing yes and starting with health first before even pitching education before pitching advocacy before before going anywhere else let's start with you know Let's clean up our food. Let's get moving, and that way you're going to be the best leader out there. What had led? What so your experience in sports? I'm guessing led you to that conclusion or theory. I guess just knowing like how yeah how I felt being an athlete and how confident, how on top of the world, how like look thinking of my coaches like how they live their lives, 
and then try to bring that back towards not everyone's an athlete in a sense like not everyone wanted to be this athlete but how do we create the strongest coaches the strongest I saw educators as coaches like any leader a role model thinking of like you know being asked as a kid like you know who's your who's your role model and how do we replicate that and so what'd you do um I started a fitness initiative it's called it was called fitness improvement training through exercise and diet fitted name is fitted um and it was a it was at UCLA where we reached out to mostly ethnic minority college students at UCLA who were already engaging in the community so who were going out and to do great work whether that be um health education uh social justice there's a lot of people going out and doing social justice work and we put them through a free um, 10-week course where they got to do group training and a nutrition class. The nutrition class was real basic stuff, kind of what we talk about in a nutrition seminar, but it was about mindful eating, how to become mindful, um, how to really look at macros, how to just self-reflect and to think about hunger as something that you can feel as opposed to something that you're told like when, what to do. So just learning more about your body. And then with the exercise component, um, I had recruited a team of people. I got them all certified, me, myself, or myself as well, certified through a personal training cert, um, NSCA, National Strength and Conditioning Association. And then we led functional fitness group classes and basically like an intro to CrossFit. It, our How many people did y'all come, have come through that? program the, um, each, the free trial each semester well we were on a quarter system at UCLA there's three quarters in a school year and like two semesters so each quarter we had about 50 people 50 new people coming through um, the program and the first one was smaller I would say maybe there was only like 20 max but then every quarter after that it became a really hot commodity and we started offering a little bit more um, and this was on my sophomore going into my junior year of college and yes, we, we would train 50 people each semester, or each quarter and then rotate a new group. And then we, in, we in, that was a baseline, like fitted our first level. And then we did a one-on-one as well where people can apply in to get trained one-on-one and that was for free as well. Um, so we were trying to reduce the barrier of cost and also trying to recruit students that were really actively going out into the community so that they can send those messages um, outwards as well. So we were equipping them with just not knowledge for themselves, but then we were telling them, you know, this is how you can send this message to those that you're working out with and or you're working with, no matter what it may be in what area, um, out into the greater Los Angeles community. What did you learn through that whole experience? <sighs> what did I learn? Man, I think that was, that was where I really started to get excited about pursuing a degree, pursuing college, pursuing life um I learned that I love to give like I love to I love service um I learned I mean I learned a lot of skills in terms of like management and learned a lot of skills that I can take away but for myself I learned a lot about me what I wanted and what I like to do and who I am and where I come from and that was all something that I tried to incorporate too with my team and with people that we engaged with um, was not just about this like physical element but also how do you self-reflect and who are you and why are you here and that's going to make you the stronger leader so anything that I learned I would then put into my into my initiative 
and it was all about that constant like questioning of, of self were you working out regularly at that time like did is that kind of when you started picking back up in your fitness and your health yeah i think especially because we're pitching this idea of kind of like our thing was like be the change that's our that's my favorite quote uh, like be the change you want to see so anything that i'm saying i should be doing and not just doing but i should be doing it the best out of everyone if it's going to come out of my mouth so that just like cleaned up my whole life like that got rid of like i mean all eyes you know 50 people a quarter turned into 100 turned into 150 and then people that even weren't participating were watching as like oh she's the health person so it was like that was like yes exercise went up training went up um started learning more about fitness some of my colleagues did crossfit you know i've had heard about it i did some stuff with them but yeah exercise definitely improved and it was like how can i just be better at everything at anything did you start crossfit in california or in florida in florida that's right so that was the so, whole ucla yeah, yeah. experience and then uh, i actually was going to go to med school and even med school i was going to get a joint degree med law degree i wanted to practice yeah that was a, that was the goal but then doing this initiative junior year um i had some the vice chancellor and some of the other people that were kind of i was working with at the university were like you know you're doing like a public health model and i was like what's public health so once they told me that i was like public health like this is what i'm doing right now exists in real life like i can do this as a job they're like you can't you could you not gonna you not only can you do it but you can get further degrees and you can really advance your way up and do this like for the nation for the for the world really so that's when public health came in and I applied for a master's program all over and then went to Miami once I got to Miami I didn't know anyone and my first instinct was like well I do know that there's a speed skating team that I used to know maybe I'll just start by like going to practice and I'll like make friends so I did that I (laughs) went to practice and immediately the people that I you know from five years old you know five eight years old that I knew was like we never skipped a beat they came pick me up they you know they're like oh you have a personal training certification you should work at our gym like oh really what gym like crossfit i'm like oh but i haven't coached crossfit they're like we will get you all settled (laughs) like hired me like on the spot and was like yep do this uh one-on-one this week and then next week you're going to be coaching i'm like what (laughs) um i don't know so that's just i got like thrown into crossfit and i did my l1 like soon after that and just started coaching what year was that um that was in 2012 so yeah right after i graduated from ucla there was a summer period and then i went straight to miami for my master's so what'd you think about crossfit um well this crossfit that i went to well miami is an interesting place just in general but i walked in it was so hot i thought i was gonna die it was like opening an oven and we were working out it was august and I was like, oh my God, I, I don't know if I'm going to make it. We finished what I thought was like, man, this is a hard workout. And they're like, all right, grab some water and we're going to start the workout in five minutes. I was like, what? <laughs> oh my God, I'm never going to make it. Um, but I thought it was great. And I was really competitive, like straight off the bat was like, I'm going to be the best at this. <laughs> <laughs> but I couldn't do one pull up. <laughs> so give me a little bit more on your experience in Miami and CrossFit specifically. Like you kept doing it, right? Yeah. You coached a lot. Yeah. So they offered me, um, they told me I was going to coach right away. And I started coaching adults. And 
<clears throat> then they also had a kids program, a very established kids program. And they're like, well, if you want to coach kids too, you can. And so I just I shadowed a little bit in the kids program. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I think this is fun. So I just started coaching kids um, at one of the gyms. And I stopped coaching adults at that gym for a while. And then they transferred me to another gym. They had six gyms. So they kind of flopped me around a little bit. I went to another gym. Uh, even bigger gym and their kids program was was newer but it was still pretty established so I started coaching their kids program and then kind of filtered in some adult classes as well and I coached there for two years Um, and then I guess as an athlete um, as I was coaching they were like you should do a competition I'm like well I'm still new they're like we have an in-house there's a scale division you can do it I'm like okay I guess I'll do it. One competition, and I was like, oh my God, this is it. I'm so doing this. (laughs) So then it was just like, what can I do next? And um, I did a few more in Miami, but, and, you know, got into training outlaw and started doing extra programming. We had a thing called Westside where, like, you can do open gym. Started adding, sprinkling in, like, strength, and I finally got pull ups. (laughs) So, how did CrossFit, if it did at all, influence? what you were studying and kind of your goals in public health? I think the biggest thing that CrossFit has done is then going from knowing nobody in Miami to being fully integrated within the community, whether it be, so not directly affecting my my studies and what I was choosing to research, but making me feel like mental wellness. I had, a, I had a community that I can go to. I had a place to escape. And I was also working on my like physical health as well. Um, and that was awesome because the network that comes out of CrossFit is just unbelievable. If I needed to get worked on, if I wanted to partner with someone in the community for the research that I was doing, more than likely the head honchos for anything was at some CrossFit box in our gym or another gym that I could talk about CrossFit as an entryway Um, And then also engaging with youth, doing a lot of research with youth, but then not having actual hands-on experience with youth, um, or not as much as I would like. Working with kids on a day-to-day basis, and then we would go into elementary schools and do stuff, allowed me to kind of see, okay, a better picture of what it would be like to do an intervention. What What it would be like if I wanted to create something that was sustainable, like CrossFit, in the community. Um... So I think that the network and then also kind of the hands-on experience with kids, I guess you could relate to adults as well, to give me some more realistic feedback when I'm thinking about my research. Did you, so that was until what year did you finish in Miami? I finished in 2014. And then back to Hawaii, or Hawaii, ooh. Yes. E. And oh my gosh. Uh, CrossFit there also, right? Yes. First thing, probably you found a gym. For, yes, that was in CrossFit in Hawaii. Hawaii is expensive. Like the island is, especially Honolulu, is very expensive. Gyms were like $300. So when I first got there, I was like, okay, I have this coaching experience. I have my personal training certification. I have to be able to get a job somewhere. And I remember going to a few gyms and, you know, talking to them. And it was like there was wait lists. For people because no one can afford to pay for membership so what do you have everybody and their mom is like okay let me try to like get in through the net the pathway the coach pathway so I was like oh well, I'm doomed so I started working out at the rec for a little bit and then 
I got in trouble for snatching, double unders, <laughs> doing kipping pull-ups, using chalk. I was like, okay, this is not going to work out. <laughs> like, you can't drop the barbell. I'm like, Did you, this is... This was it was like a cleated jury. I was like, this is this is like 150 pounds. I'm gonna break my collarbone. Well, then you shouldn't be lifting that. I'm like, okay. Well, I'm gonna need to go somewhere else. <laughs> so then I finally found a gym, a smaller gym that was pretty new, that I could volunteer at to coach, and wasn't gonna get paid, but I could volunteer and coach a few hours a week, and it would cover my membership, and it was right by my house. So I literally would like walk to the gym and could walk back, and I hadn't seen it because it didn't pop up on Google Maps. So I finally found one when I was super pumped. Awesome. Yes, I got a CrossFit gym. And then they wanted me to coach more, but then with the doctoral program, I was like, I'm way in over my head. How did your nutrition evolve throughout the years as you kind of started getting more competitive in CrossFit and really performance became an, a kind of a, another, and I'm sure because of the highly competitive background you had in skating and athletics, you probably immediately started seeing CrossFit as your sport. Yes. Um, nutrition was funny. So I, when I got to, even I guess when I was starting to do, I was very mindful. I knew I ate well, but when I got to Miami and I started doing CrossFit, this is like 2012, paleo was like the thing. And so I pulled out like a whole grain. It was like flatbread, peanut butter, something, honey sandwich that I was going to eat <laughs> in the whole gym. All the coaches just like head turn and they're like, <laughs> you eat bread? And I was like, my sandwich just like dropped back onto my little little baggie. And I was like, um. <laughs> so that's kind of kicked off my like paleo thing. I was like full paleo throughout Miami. Um, they had a, we had a deal with a paleo company, a food company. It was pretty good. Um, and now that I'm thinking about it, I can't think of the name. But uh, we got meals pretty cheap as coaches. And so I would get two meals a day. For all five days of the week and then I would make my other meal and I would go back and forth between making breakfast and making dinner or eating dinner out like grabbing dinner there was a lot of like to go cheap places that made like chicken bowls um which if that was here everybody in this whole gym would be like going crazy <laughs> about it but like in Miami it's just a normal thing to have like a fast it's like chop chop they call it like chop chops like chopped chicken on top of like beans and rice it's like an open chipotle yeah um so that would be what i would do and i would i follow that pretty strict and then what i liked about getting the meals was that um i learned a bunch of new recipes so i would go through periods of taking a break and buying the meals and making trying out like a few new different alternatives for what i was eating and i replaced almost all my like carb meals like my pastas i found ways to make everything that i liked without any of the ingredients that i needed and i still got the same satisfaction like okay, well, yes, I use spaghetti sauce, but I definitely didn't eat spaghetti. And that still gave me the same satisfaction, like check. So my nutrition kind of was really strong when I was like thinking about competing on a serious level in Miami. When I got to Hawaii, food was also really expensive. In fact, Whole Foods was the same price. It was very comparable to shopping at a regular grocery store. So I just shopped at Whole Foods, it was close. And I started making my own food, and we also had meal. De- I got meal delivery there too. It was pretty affordable compared to all the other food. Um, but I would say that I never took it then to a very extreme level. I just kept it kind of like at a, you know, this is a. In, in Hawaii, wasn't as extreme as Miami. Miami was like no cheats ever. And did you see a significant improvement in performance when you changed your diet? 
Yes. Um, I felt it mostly came down to energy. Um, I would say less of my like endurance because I already had a really strong fitness background I think that I didn't see my my endurance in fact maybe went down when I started CrossFit but I also gained some a lot of strength like especially upper body and I had to sacrifice a lot of like a lot of my running and things that were a lot better than than I think I would like to have had happen but um with nutrition I think energy so energy throughout the day feeling better in class, feeling more awake, feeling more aware, um, feeling more, I guess, not as like swollen or like no more inflammation in my tummy, um, which would cause me to like not want to eat or I don't know. So I think the, the benefits for nutrition, I didn't see as much in my training program and i and i probably it's because i was doing paleo and it was very lean so i did see a lot of like aesthetic results um but i didn't see like super strength gains my numbers went down but that's in my squat for instance that those went down but i sacrificed a lot of that to try to get like pull-ups yeah and so somebody (laughs) listening maybe paleo you know it was very popular for several years but it's it's still around, but maybe doesn't know. So could you kind of define or elaborate on what that means to you? What paleo means? Um, well, what does paleo mean? Paleo is removing like simple grains, simple carbs from your diet, um, whether that be like white pastas, breads, um, kind of trying to reduce carbs overall, um, eating meats and veggies and if you do happen to have fruit, maybe it's berries and nuts. I kind of like the mantra that um, Glassman talks about in his little, <laughs> in his in all of his books <laughs> and talks. So yeah, so that's a great little way to keep it simple for for people listening. That maybe you know that I mean for everybody, you come across information at different stages in your journey, right? So you got that information back. You know, you pulled out a sandwich and everybody looked at you like <laughs> you pulled out a gun. It was like, yeah. are you kidding me? But, you know, some people don't realize that maybe their bodies can, can feel better. Maybe they can have more energy just by removing some types of foods that they're currently taking in. Um, so you came to Texas 2015. 15. You know, started immediately here at the gym. Worked out for a couple years until spring when you started coaching. Um, and it's been awesome. You're a rock star. Uh, we just love having you, not just as a member because you were here for a long time before you started coaching. But I think the next kind of area I want to dive into is that injury that you had at the Battle of the Boxes because, um, I, you know, I, I just feel like anytime that somebody gets hurt, hearing their point of view and probably even seeing you be so intentional and purposeful on coming back and being patient. And I know it's not easy, but where you are today compared to probably where you were in June and July. And so give me a little bit kind of about that injury and kind of how it happened and and then what it's been like since then. Cool. Um, So I did battle the boxes uh, with Team Obey. They needed an extra person, an extra female. Otherwise, probably would have been Anthony. Uh, (laughs) But I did uh, the competition with them, and the first workout, 
I guess talk, was was a snatch ladder. Yes, it was a snatch ladder. Um, and I had been trying to get a 135-pound snatch for a while. It happened in the open. There was like kind of like if you were able to pass the 135s you, you know, or get a 135 snatch, then you jumped up into like the next category. That was like really the dividing number. So I think I've been struggling with that lift. Then, le- then the classic, or not the classic, yeah, Battle of the Boxes. Um, the first workout had, I think that was maybe the third one. The third lift was 135. So we busted through the first two, got to that one. I hadn't got it in training, um, and I've never gotten it. So for it to even do it was like a, a hope. Like, oh, I hope this works. And I didn't even feel comfortable or confident about it. I just was like, I have to do it because this is what we're doing. Um, I did it, and I, like, hyped. Like I hyperextended uh, my elbow and in the catch on the bottom. And I didn't even realize like what happened. I just remember like something hurting and I just dropped it and backed away. At least that's what I thought until I saw the pictures and the pictures of me, he got like a whole like really slow, like one, two, three, four, five of my face. And my face was like, it was pretty disgusting. And I was on the floor and I was like, oh, I don't even remember being on the floor. Um, so I was in a lot of pain but I decided to do the rest of the whole competition so that was the first workout and there was still more like four more workouts to go they were pretty intense and I would just ice in between and then I decided to rest um, the next couple days to see if it would feel any better and it didn't when I finally got checked out then it was some strains uh, a strain and the real kind of kicker was the nerve wouldn't calm down the nerve was really inflamed the ulnar nerve and so that would bother me when I would try to hold anything like my steering wheel like anything at all pencil it was hurt it hurt to type or it would get like irritated when I typed so that's when I knew I was like I gotta go to the doctors and start working on it and I think in the beginning I thought well it's gonna calm down and then I'll get right back to training this is post-open, I was thinking about doing the classic, wanted to get kind of a little bit more competitive as I enter into the last year of my program. And I was kind of mad, like this little hiccup was bugging me and it was like silly, like it's just from this one competition, like it's silly, it was just a snatch, like why I want to go away? And I kind of had a bad attitude about it, kind of. Um, I did have a bad attitude. And it got to the point where I went to a couple, maybe my second or third doctor's appointment where they said, well, the only other options would be if we got if we had a surgery to then remove move your nerve and it's not really successful. And Dr. Ben, I've also seen him too. So he's like, no, don't do that. It's not, the success rate is really low. It's not worth it. Like, and I'm like, what am I doing? Like, I'm not like CrossFit Games athlete. Like, this is not important. I don't need to go get a surgery on my elbow to try to help me I don't know. I just was like, what is going on? What am I, why am I doing this? And I just took a step back and thought, let me just pause. Like what's important? Important is my health and also my money. I'm not going to one, enter my body and do a surgery that's not needed. And two, I don't, this doesn't make or break me in terms of my success. Like this isn't contributing to me in the future. Like what is going on? That helped a lot in terms of okay, I'm just going to completely rest my arm and not hold anything. And there's a lot of great support from the gym. Like Brian Fisher is really supportive. Chris, Rhea, of course, was like, dude, you were, I saw you. I, I did that. 
Um, and everyone is really supportive in terms of like, just rest, like relax, like just don't do anything, don't hold on to it, it's okay. Um, it was more of me trying to like suck that down and like let go of, I don't know, trying to like be on top of the leaderboard or trying to like, you know, this is my sport, this is what I do, it's part of my defining who I am. So trying to remove that for a second and then focus on maybe other aspects of myself that also define who I am that are also important or maybe more important um, than doing CrossFit on a day-to-day basis. And I went home for vacation. I just, I would run, hike, do things with my legs. Um, I pick my skates back up. And I remember asking Ben, like, well, what am I supposed to do without my arms? Like, everything requires holding. And he just, like, looked at me and, like, my pictures, like, on the skating, of me skating, like, on the wall. And I, and I just, like, oh, God, that's embarrassing. <laughs> For how many, like, 15 to 20 years, I did nothing but use my legs. So I just, it took a moment to kind of, like, remember that. And I started by, I'm, I like to plan. So it helped me if I had a plan, like, if I were to lay it out on the table. So I, like, laid out my calendar and was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to start with no weight, and I'm going to do that for three weeks. And then I'm going to try holding a barbell once those three weeks are over and see how that feels. If that feels good, then here's my next step. And I like laid it all out in like this five pound progression for like week by week by week. And it was probably, I don't know, not the most painful thing, but it was hard. It was hard to do because like knowing like it didn't hurt and it didn't bug me, but I knew that if I did something that I would be paying for it later and that I have to take more time off. So on a day-to-day basis was struggling with like, I know I can do that. Like, I know I can do this, but I can't. So I need to, like, not. Not try, not even think about it. Before I even show up today, I need to come up with a plan of what I am going to do because then I'm not going to be enticed to try to do something else. So I would think about that every single day. Like, look at the vlog. Okay, what am I going to do instead? Okay, got my plan. Don't think about anything else. Show up and you do that. Don't look around. Don't look at the leaderboard. Don't look at anybody. Don't talk about anything. Just, like, do that and then exit. And that would be a success. <laughs> and it seems silly, but like that was, I don't know, it helped. It helped me like not get upset. And of course, like now, I'm, I followed that plan. I got up to a point where we did the in-house. And the week before the in-house was probably the first time that I tried just like letting go of like my, the plan was not over, but like letting go of the plan. I was up to 115 pounds and I thought, you know what, let me just try a little bit more to see how I feel. That way, if I did it on the in-house, I wouldn't if you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it hurt or I, I would know this week. Everything was starting to feel feel okay. And all the skills that I had been like sprinkling in started to feel okay. So I thought, okay, let me try. Did it. This next week after that, you know, has been great coming on this like high of like, wow, I can do things again and I'm so excited. But I still have to then pause and remind myself, like, no, like, I can't still do everything yet. I still need more time. And that is now the, like, second struggle um, that I've been dealing with now. And I even had, like, a little relapse, or I guess, um, a little fit yesterday. Yesterday's wad was the farmer carry wad. Um, And it's not, I still can't hold on to dumbbells or hold on to anything really for a long period of time it just starts to inflict get really swollen so I had to humble myself it took a lot of time and other people but I had to even take a little time out and think about it like what's the purpose of this 
Um, so yeah, that's kind of a little injury spiel. So when you said 115 pounds, that means snatch. Is that what you were building back well, up to? I was, it was all movements because just okay. hold, holding the barbell hurt no matter what, no matter where I was going. In fact, the snatch felt okay in terms of moving. The only movement that actually didn't feel good was like an overhead on the way down. So that one was hard because I could press it, but on the way down it would bug me. So I would have to like step aside from that movement or drop it on the floor if it allowed like in the workout or in the, in the lift. So it was just the barbell weight. Um, and it didn't matter what movement I was doing. It was just the amount of pressure that my hand was holding in mm. terms of like gripping on the barbell. Yeah. So that's why I still kept it at all my movements felt fine. And if I got to like, for instance, in our training program, we have percentages that we work off to. If I got up to like my snatches was only, is only like 120. So getting up to 115, I'm still working now at my regular snatch numbers when we're doing training, 80 pounds, 90 pounds. Um, but I wouldn't let the barbell in a deadlift go heavier than 115 because I knew that that extra pressure on my, on my arm would then hurt. Mm. So, um, you know, I always ask people at the end of the podcast how exercise and health makes them a better version of themselves. And you kind of have touched on that kind of all throughout because, you know, it's interesting that you, your uh, PhD, your master's, your undergrad, every, your whole like last 10 years of education is really consistent with what, you know, what we're doing, where you're doing it in a different way, but it's, you believe in being healthy. You believe in the, the power of fitness and exercise and health. And so I think, you know, the podcast has done a great job of you communicating that and how it impacts you mentally, emotionally, physically. Um, but what I do would, would like for you to speak to is there's oftentimes people listening that don't come to the gym. You know, they probably fall more into that category of people that you were trying to reach in Los Angeles. But whether they're younger or older, um, you know, what, based on the knowledge you have today and the, what you've been doing, um, even as a coach in the gym setting, but what would be kind of your advice to somebody who is, you know, health isn't even on their radar. Like, they don't even... That's like there's people that are healthy and then there's people that are not, right? And those are kind of the people that you were trying to reach for a long time is not the ones that are already paying to come to a CrossFit gym, not the ones that are paying for personal training. Um, or maybe somebody listening knows somebody like that, right? Because a lot of our members listen to the podcast, but maybe they know someone like that. And it's like, how do we start, right? Like, where do we begin? Where's this initiative begin to help people understand the impact that health and exercise, and maybe it's nutritional changes, maybe it's you know movement. What would you say either to that person or to someone who is friends or family or you know a loved one who fits in that category? I guess I'll start with asking them. I mean, you have to have a. There has to be a will, and you say that a lot. There has to be a will, but asking those types of questions like, who do you want to be? What do you? What are your goals? Um, what do you like? I think that's important. What do you like? Because if you don't like it, you're not gonna do it. You know, and maybe CrossFit isn't the way to start. Maybe it's walking. Maybe it's something else that's accessible that I already do. Um, but asking people, checking in with them where they are now, and not trying to give them something that's beyond where their starting point is. Um, and I think that's a big problem is that we try to jump or throw on too much 
but asking people you know, where they want to be and then where they are right now and what can we do now, baby steps, something small to then get them started on that path. And that's okay. It doesn't have to be all at once. It's okay to take a very small step because that's one step that you weren't taking before. Thank you for tuning in today. Don't forget to subscribe to the Building Better People podcast where you will hear more stories of individuals being positively impacted by living a healthy lifestyle.